I'm gonna play a song for you guys. because we're starting off this new series called Toxic. Um, I know, but the other reason why I wanted to play that for you is because uh, there's some good news for Britney Spears this week. I know many of you have been praying and hoping that her father, Jamie Spears, would step down as conservator of her estate, which he did a few days ago. So uh, prayers are answered. God answers prayers. I'm so grateful that, okay, I'm just kidding. But um, uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about, there has been a big legal battle between Miss Britney Spears and her father. Uh, but you know, it hasn't gone well for Miss Britney Spears for many years. She would request a trial and she wouldn't even get like a hearing. And her father, Jamie Spears, remained in full control of her estate. Apparently, um, Jamie, uh, Jamie Spears, was acting as conservator of her property, of her finances, uh, and he literally controlled everything. Um, and his role as conservator was so legally binding that uh, Britney Spears was not able to get out of it for many, many years. So Britney Spears did the only thing that she could do, and she went public with it, asking for support from her friends, uh, from her fans, and pretty much making Jamie Spears' life a living hell and he had no choice but to relinquish control. So that song, I don't know how old were you when that song came out. Um, I'm dating myself, but like I was like in, like almost done with college or near the end of college when that song came out. I'm guessing many of you were like babies <laughs> or like early elementary school when that song came out, but it was a smash hit, Toxic by Britney Spears and ironically this song came out 18 years ago but it foreshadowed the struggle that she would have with her dad um, now obviously this song is about a romantic relationship that's gone bad but many lines in this song eerily reflect the many struggles that she had with her father as conservator uh, the first three lines of the song go baby can't you see I'm calling a guy like you should be a warning. It's dangerous. And then uh, the fourth line says, there's no escape, I can't wait. And then um, the lines eight and nine, I think, it says, losing my head, spinning round and round, do you feel me now? Now, why are we talking about Britney Spears uh, her, and her legal battle with her father as conservator? Well, Jamie Spears is a perfect example of a toxic leader. Okay, Jamie Spears is a perfect example of a toxic leader. But how does one become a toxic leader? It's rare that someone deliberately or intentionally becomes a toxic leader. Okay, no one wakes up one morning and says, I want to be a toxic leader. 
Okay, I don't want to make other people's life a living hell. All right, uh, very rarely will people be like that, okay? Usually, it's because um, they're unaware of their own toxic behaviors and their own tendencies to behave this way. There actually is a relatively simple formula for toxic leadership, okay? And you can see it at the top of your bulletin, okay? Uh, skills plus power minus spiritual maturity equals toxic leader. When you have skills and combine that with power, but that person does not have spiritual maturity, eventually that person may become a toxic leader. Now, what do I mean by skills? Skills, you could replace that word even with like talent or gifts or charisma. Um, you could even replace that word with uh, appearance, like attractiveness or maybe even int intelligence, all right? Uh, the things that a person has uh, that are not the same to everybody, that are unique to that person, okay? And power, you could also replace that with uh, influence or uh, position or authority. Now, just having skills and power will not make them a good leader, right? That might make them a leader or some sort of authoritative figure in a company or a business or an organization. But if that person does not have spiritual maturity, eventually that person may become a toxic leader. Now, why am I saying spiritual maturity, okay? Uh, is, isn't being mature in and of itself enough? Well, I don't know about you guys, but there are many mature people or fully developed people that I know who are very selfish, okay? And what about having high EQ? Okay, isn't having high EQ good enough? Well, there are some people who have very high EQ who could still be very manipulative. Okay, they could read a room, they could know what other people are feeling and maybe even use that to their own selfish advantage. So when I'm talking about spiritual maturity, okay, ultimately I'm talking about things that are listed in, um, like, as described in the fruits of the spirit okay and this is listed in galatians chapter 5 verses 22 and 23 okay that says love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control okay these are the fruits of the spirit and you can look these up on in galatians chapter 5 verses 22 and 23 if you want okay but today we're gonna look at uh the book of hebrews chapter 4 verses 14 through 16 so if you have your bibles would you turn with me to the book of hebrews chapter 4 verses 14 through 16 and if you don't have your bibles go ahead and um look on your app if you have an app or uh i will just read for us Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, 
But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. All right. Um, you guys know which book of the Bible makes the best beer? Hebrews. Okay. So the book of Hebrews is very interesting um, for a couple of reasons. One, because it is the only book in the New Testament where we don't know the author. Okay? The author of this book is unknown. Every other book in the New Testament, we know who wrote it, all right? uh, except for the book of Hebrews. For a long time, people just assumed that it was Apostle Paul, uh, but there's nothing in this entire book that actually like, describes that. And whenever Paul wrote a letter, he usually introduced himself at the beginning of the letter in the greeting, uh, which this book does not have. Uh, but what, what we do know about the author of this book is that this author was Jewish, okay, because of his personal and extensive knowledge of the Jewish culture and religion. We also know that this letter was written by a Jewish author to a Jewish audience, okay, to uh, recipients of this letter are Jews who became Christian, who became followers of Jesus Christ. And so Hebrews was written by a devout Jewish Christian to a group of Jewish Christians. And one of the goals that this author of Hebrews had uh, was to change some of their thinking uh, in regards to religion, faith, and spirituality. In many ways, the author of Hebrews was attempting to recalibrate and recenter their faith away from their old ways and into the new ways, okay? For example, um, they did not have to stick by kosher diet anymore, okay? They could if they wanted to, but it was not mandatory. Uh, another example was they did not have to go to temple and make animal sacrifices anymore. That's something that they would do almost every week, all right? And Worship did not happen only in the temples anymore. You could worship in people's homes. Okay, you should worship. You could worship on the streets. You could worship in the mountainside. And one of the concepts, one of the critical like like themes of the Jewish religion in the first century was this idea of a high priest. Okay, and that's why we read about this today. Okay, a high priest in the ancient world was like the Pope of the Catholic Church today. Okay. Um, if you're familiar with the Catholic Church at all, you know that there's kind of like a hierarchy in their clergy. Okay, every church, every local church, every parish has their own priest, right? But those priests have to report to a bishop, and the bishops have to report to cardinals, and then cardinals uh, report to the pope, all right? And there's only one pope. Okay, so back then, there was only one high priest, and this high priest had ultimate authority in the Jewish religion, whatever he said goes, all right? And this high priest was usually raised to be a high priest from a very young age. There are uh, religious schools that Jewish boys were raised in, and they would uh, notice certain kids that would stand out, and they would nurture and train and prepare this kid to one day become a high priest. And so that kid had the best education, that kid had the most elite rabbis, okay? And they were kind of in their own world. Uh, 
And so in some ways, they could not relate with regular people. <laughs> okay, they did, not, they did not live in a regular world, all right, because they lived in this like religious system their entire life, and they were usually like uh, come, come from a wealthy family, and they were always highly, highly educated. Okay, so they could not really relate with common people. But that's not the kind of high priest that we have. And so the author of Hebrews is saying, Jesus Christ is now our high priest permanently, okay? Uh, and he's not going to die, and so he's not going to be replaced. But we do not have a high priest who does not understand what our lives are like, okay? So the, Jesus Christ being our high priest is not someone who cannot relate with us. He is someone who knows what it's like to struggle. He knows what it's like to experience pain. He even knows what it's like to be lonely and experience rejection, okay? So a healthy leader has to begin by imitating Jesus Christ. A healthy leader imitates Jesus Christ. If you look at the life that Jesus led and his example of leadership, you'll notice that he's pretty much the exact opposite of a toxic leader. Jesus Christ had amazing skills, okay, as we see in that simple formula. Uh, he had amazing skills, gifts, and abilities, but he used them all to help other people. Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ had miraculous power, divine authority, and incredible influence, but he remained humble all along the way. And obviously, Jesus was the perfect embodiment of the fruits of the, of the Spirit as described in Galatians 5, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Unfortunately, it seems like these qualities uh, that are required in a healthy leader are undervalued and underrated in society today especially in a superficial place like Los Angeles, right? Like how many people do you know says when they're looking for a healthy leader, they're looking for someone who is gentle. <laughs> Have you ever heard that? Or um, when they're looking for a, a, a good leader, they're looking for a leader uh, uh, who has a lot of kindness in their heart. I know I would love to work with a leader like that, right? But when we look at the leaders of the world, okay, um, like when you think of like Steve Jobs, when you think of Elon Musk, uh, you don't really think of them as like having embodying these like fruits of the spirit, right? Um, they're, Steve Jobs was infamously like a jerk, <laughs> right? Um, yet he is like one of the leaders that we admire like so much. We typically don't like to follow a leader unless he or she is wealthy, famous, attractive, or all of the above. And even the word follow has a different meaning today, doesn't it? Right? You follow people on social media, but they're not necessarily people you would follow in real life, right? Because the people you follow on social media are probably people who are wealthy, famous, attractive, or all of the above, right? But would you want them to be your leader? I wish I could say that um, this rule does not apply to churches, but it totally applies to churches, okay? Uh, just some of the 
our country's most famous and uh, most popular pastors in America are people like uh, Kevin Copeland in Texas. Have you guys heard of this guy? Yes, yes. <laughs> he spit on the devil. <laughs> yeah, but uh, he has a net worth. This is ridiculous. I, f- I found this out a few days ago. He has a net worth of $700 million. And uh, he has uh, his own private jet that's worth $17.5 million. Um, there is a televangelist, Benny Hinn. His net worth is $42 million. Um, there's a really popular, famous young pastor. His name is Stephen Furtick in North Carolina. He's a regular on this uh, Instagram page that I love called Preachers and Sneakers because he always has like the dopest new Jordans every Sunday. And they're like exclusive, limited edition. Um, p- part of me is kind of jealous, okay? That's what, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, and then there's um, uh, other people like Rich Wilkerson Jr. in Florida, Carl Lentz, who recently you know, had to uh, step down from his role at Hillsong, New York, and Judah Smith. They're all regularly described as hot pastors. Now, um, I'm not hating on these people. Uh, well, actually, I, I am kind of hating on Ken Copeland. I think he's just a horrible... <laughs> He's a horrible person. Uh, But I do think that they're more of a product of culture uh, than anything else. Okay, And it actually says more about um, their churches and their followers than it does about them. They're almost like um, Frankenstein's monster. And our culture is Frankenstein. Dr. Frankenstein. Now, uh, the beautiful thing about Jesus, on the other hand is that he, as our high priest, uh, is that he always kept himself on the same plane as the people who were following him. He would walk alongside his disciples. He would eat with uh, sinners and outcasts. He even washed the feet of his followers. Not only is he able to empathize with what we're going through, he connects with us in such personal and genuine ways. Okay, and learning from his example, we know that a healthy leader is also a connected leader. All right, and that's the second point uh, that we're learning from this passage today. A healthy leader is a connected leader. Beware of leaders who are unable to connect with you. Beware of leaders who are unsympathetic to your pain and struggles. Beware of leaders who have no close friends or accountability. A disconnected leader paves the way for toxic leadership. It becomes easier for a disconnected leader to abuse his or her power, take advantage of others, and think of themselves much more highly than common folk. Um, I was thinking about this because on Monday, uh, I usually work as a chaplain at the hospital on Mondays. And this past Monday, we had a very special guest stop by our chaplain's office. He was an Armenian Orthodox bishop. So now I'm learning a lot about Armenian culture and traditions uh, working at the hospital because it's right here in Glendale and uh, many of the patients and staff come from Armenian backgrounds uh, because Glendale has a big Armenian population 
And so I learned a lot, especially from my colleague, her name is, uh, we'll call her Alice, all right? Uh, who's also Armenian American, and she just shares everything with me. Um, now, uh, I recently learned that the Armenian Orthodox Church is the largest religion or sect of Christianity among Armenians. Uh, so this bishop visiting our office was kind of like a big deal, okay? And my boss was like super nervous getting ready for him, like wiping down the tables and like rearranging furniture and getting snacks and coffee ready. And uh, he was uh, in the conference room getting that ready. And I was like right by the front door, okay? Like charting and preparing uh, for my day. And uh, so he, he came in with his crew. He came with like a little entourage, like a photographer and like someone taking notes and all that. So he came with his crew and I was the first person who greeted him. I was like, oh, hey, you're the bishop, right? And he, and he just gave a nod of the head like this, like that. That, that he came in walking like this. It was like very serious, like, and then he gave me a nod of the head. And then um, my boss came in, right? He's like, oh, your excellency, thank you, welcome. And I was like, I looked at my boss, I was like, did he just call, did he just call him your excellency? And uh, he goes, oh, come right this way, come right this way. And then uh, the bishop interrupted him and he uh, said, please don't call me that. And I was like, oh, this bishop is cool. He's gonna say like, oh, just call me David or like uh, call me bishop even, right? And then uh, my boss uh, stops and he goes, oh, sorry, I, I got mixed up, I forgot. Um, your eminence. And then the bishop goes, <laughs> he gave him not that. So your excellency is not the proper title, okay? Just in case you guys meet an orthodox bishop, it's your eminence, all right? Your eminence. And, uh, and then what's hilarious about this is that I looked over at my coworker, Alice, right, who's Armenian, and she gave the biggest eye roll I have ever seen. <laughs> now, I'm used to eye rolls because of my wife, but she gave like the biggest eye roll I have ever seen. Um, and now, <laughs> now, I'm still learning a lot about, you know, maybe it's like a cultural thing, maybe it's like a generation gap that I don't understand. But what I love about Jesus so much is that he is so relatable and connected with the people that he's leading. He would fish with the fishermen. <laughs> uh, he played with children, and he ate at the same table as social outcasts. And once in a while, uh, he even allowed himself to be lectured <laughs> by his friends. Jesus Christ allowed himself to be lectured by other people. <laughs> That's how down to earth he is. And what this tells me about him as a good leader is that a healthy leader also has to be a good follower. Okay, and that's the last thing that we learn about being a healthy leader. A healthy leader is a good follower. When Jesus was near the end of his life, he knew that he was going to be betrayed, arrested, and tried as a criminal, tortured, and then ultimately hung to die on a cross. The night before all of this happened, he prayed this very difficult prayer to God the Father, asking him to remove this task that was ahead of him. He, he said in Mark chapter 14, verse 36, Abba, Father, and the word Abba is kind of like Daddy, okay? Abba, Father, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. He wrestled with it, but in his heart, he was able to 
give in to the Father's will and follow the Father's will instead of following his own fleshly desires. Because he followed up by saying, yet not what I will, but what you will. Not what I will, but what you will. Every hero of faith in the Bible were also good followers. Joshua, who was Moses' aide before leading the Israelites into freedom in the, in the promised land. The prophet Elisha learned and shadowed the prophet Elijah for many years before leading his own ministry. And Apostle Paul did missions with his mentor Barnabas for many years before doing his own thing. Even today, if you look at the example of um, the military, right? When someone goes into the military, no one starts off as a general, right? That would be stupid, okay? That would, like, cost thousands of lives, okay? They have to start at the bottom, and they have to work their way up, okay? And uh, they go from, I don't know, corporate, private to corporate. I don't know what the order is. <laughs> but uh, the re there's a good reason for this, okay? It's because they're learning as they're going along. Um, okay, and this teaches, uh, this teaches them how to be skilled, okay, this teaches them to care for their fellow soldiers, uh, and along the way, it keeps them humble, okay, it keeps them humble. Unfortunately, many businesses, organizations, and institutions don't follow this uh, path. A lot of times, if someone has amazing charisma, or is super talented, or is really gifted at something, they could jump a few steps and go to the top. But that will ultimately lead them to become a toxic leader. Anyone who skips these kinds of steps that keep them humble and like teach them so many things along the way will ultimately become a toxic leader. It's just a matter of time. So it should come to no one's surprise when a person with skills is thrust into a place of power when that person does not have spiritual maturity, turns out to be a toxic leader. If someone can rise to leadership quickly, they can fall from leadership twice as fast. All of us, without exception, will either be under leadership, in leadership, or both. At all times, okay? All of us, without exception, will either be under leadership, in leadership, or both. We cannot expect healthy leadership to just happen. In fact, toxic leadership just happens. If you don't take care of your spiritual health, if you don't grow in your faith, if you don't journey with God and allow God to like teach you along the way, we will in inevitably become toxic leaders. To ensure that we never fall trapped to toxic leadership, we need to follow Jesus' example we must remain connected, intimately connected to the people we serve, and we must always be good followers of God's will. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the example that you gave us of your own leadership. We thank you for being a divine son of God who empathizes with our weaknesses, who knows what it's like to struggle, who knows what it's like to be lonely and be rejected, and we can trust that you understand what we are going through. 
help us to follow in your example. And I know that many of the people in this room are currently leaders or will become leaders someday. Would you continue to guard us as we continue to grow in our faith and protect us from temptation so that we do not fall victim to selfishness or toxic behaviors? Thank you. We love you. We pray all this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. All right, have a blessed week.